0: Welcome to The Grove Church. My name is Kent. Thank you for being here today. You can find these videos and more on our website, www.grovechurch.life, or by visiting our YouTube page, The Grove underscore Bakersfield. And as always, you can give right on our website to support what God is doing through The Grove as we help all people experience new life in Jesus today we are going to continue in our series genesis in the beginning we've been tracing out the story of the gospel from genesis as it intersects with our lives today we'll be opening up to genesis chapter 10 so grab your phone or follow along in your bible in front of you you know the summer after danielle and i got married we went on a summer missions team trip to teach english to us a second language in albania Now, Albania is a beautiful Mediterranean country just off the heel of Italy. We had a blast teaching the students English and sharing the gospel with them that summer. Uh, One of the standouts for the trip came by getting to know one of the Albanian pastor's eight-year-old son. He was fluent in Albanian and German, but knew very little English. So, throughout the trip, we would try to talk and he tried to teach me some Albanian and German especially since my last name is German, so I should definitely know German. Well, when we first met and were introduced to him by his father, his father had motioned for him to come over and he told him something in German, which I had no idea what was happening because I don't know German. However, once his father told him my last name, which means bad or just something horrible, um, this kid covered his mouth and muffled his laughter as he turned away and continued to say my last name and chuckle for the remainder of the day. Language can be a pretty funny thing, but it also can be very frustrating. It's a barrier that divides us. Yet today we'll be looking at the origin of this divide and how humanity with one language wielded that to make a name for themselves rather than God. But before we do this, let's discuss this question together now. Have you ever had that experience of trying to communicate with someone who does not understand a single word you're saying? How did it go? We will see here in Genesis chapter 11 that God desires us to partner with him for his name to be made great. Today, we will see two traps we can fall into when partnering with God. As we ended last time, in Genesis chapter 9 Noah has failed to be the individual offspring of Eve to bring restoration to creation. We left off with God commanding him to fill the earth and you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. See then in chapter 10 goes into detail about the subsequent population boom from Noah's three sons. So this describes how one family became the nations that populate the ancient world at the very end of chapter 10 verse 32. It says this. These are the clans of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogies and their nations and from these nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Now, the people here are seen as obeying the command to fill the earth. However, as we now turn to chapter 11, the cycle of Genesis chapter 3 begins to be repeated. Here, there's no garden because the garden is being replaced with a city. There's no fruit, but the choice to go their own way will still be at the forefront of the story. Let's take a look at the short but important story in verse 1. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Now, this Plain of Shinar is where the later city of Babylon would be built. It was a fertile land where the Euphrates and the Tigris Rivers came together. If you loved history in school, you would know this is part of the Fertile Crescent. So there's no wonder these people as they migrated from the east settled there. Now, what do they do after they've settled? Well, verse three tells us. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly and they had brick for stone and budiman for mortar here they discover the technology of baking brick and building with mortar this is a technological advancement that will make what they do next a possibility verse 4 says then they said come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So what's so wrong with what they were desiring? Well, it comes at the very end of verse four, as they give the reason for building this tower, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So we have to remember what God wanted. He wanted his people partnering with him to accomplish the mission of spreading out over the whole earth. However, here, these people stand in defiance to God and his purposes, choosing their own way. And thus they repeat the fall of Genesis chapter three. We don't see this too often in our day with people declaring outright that they are defying God. However, it still does happen today. Yet we can fall into the same trap as these folks, even while we believe that we are partnering with God himself. Here's our first trap to avoid. We can fall into the trap of trusting in technology more than God. This is a truly tough one for us to grasp because we live in such a technology-dependent society. Most of our lives revolve around what we've built. We go to Facebook or TVs and we find acceptance, belonging, satisfaction there. However, God is already providing us these things in the gospel through faith, and just the nature of following god requires us to trust him in faith yet just like the characters in the story it's easy to turn to trust in ourselves and the things we can do with our hands than to trust god we seek to create paradise on earth apart from god as we learn create achieve and ultimately innovate our way to be more and more like god himself see there's a spirit among our generation that believes that humans will triumph over any adversity thus making a name for ourselves, and not with God in mind. Look at verse 4 again. This is the very same heart that these folks displayed as they were building their utopia, that they would have a name for ourselves. Again, we might judge these self-proclaimed humanists as defying God, yet I can fall into this very same trap of believing our innovation and technology can accomplish God's mission. This belief that our intellect or effort will prove to be the nudge God needed to reach the lost. This is for sure something I struggle with as we move forward through starting this church. The gurus of church planning give you numbers to reach for, dollars to raise, and equipment to buy that will accomplish the mission in front of you. These, are we are told, are proven factors that will make a church successful or not. This is all said outside of a pandemic, by the way what we now see is the only necessary ingredient in starting a church is faith not in what we can see but undo but in what god can act and do as he goes before us see faith in god should be our primary disposition in partnering with god maybe you've been putting your faith in a particular way of sharing the gospel or gathering uh, god's people together to proclaim him on a sunday morning or giving to missions, or even here, giving to the growth. But our partnership with God does not stop there. God longs to, for us to, to use all we have to partner with Him in the mission of making more and more disciples. Our trust and dependence to see more people made disciples of Jesus needs to be on in who God is, not in our effort, money, or innovation. Yet. As it inhibited God's people back in Genesis chapter 11, technology continues to inhibit our partnership with God today. As we glance back into Genesis 11, it definitely seems to be giving off some anti brick vibes. <laughs> However, we know that's not true because the very dwelling place of God later in the Bible will be made of brick and stone. Now, the Bible does not stand against all human flourishing and innovation. I mean, we're using technology and innovation right now. This is amazing. And Revelation 21 and 22 picture a garden city. We've progressed to see technology and we see it in the very city of God. Technology is amoral, meaning it's inanimate objects cannot possess morality or righteousness. This responsibility is given to humanity to either use technology for God's glory or for our own sin and demise. Facebook is not evil in and of itself though the video feature is no, I'm joking but it's super addictive and a big time waster but Facebook is a great invention however it's also highly destructive you have to know yourself and how Facebook and all social media affect you so let's pause the video and discuss this question question together what effect does social media have on your life how do you use it to partner with god okay let's now look at the next trap this group here in genesis 11 falls into look at verse 4 then they said come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth they set out for greatness They are going to build something with its top in the heavens so that their name would be remembered. So how does God see it? Well, he actually is having a hard time seeing it from his place in the heavens. So check out verse 5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. See, God had to leave heaven to come down and examine what they were doing. The author's almost making fun of the little tower these people think so highly of themselves for building. The word used here is better understood as stoop down, the God stooped down. He had to get really close to even come up with an opinion of the matter of the tower. Now, God didn't actually have to come down to make a judgment on the tower, but because he did it, it demonstrates the pettiness and insignificance of the great builder's supposed accomplishments. See, this worship of humanity's accomplishments is a further critique of the polytheistic world of ancient times. You doesn't understand that back then, this very plain of Shinar would be the eventual home of Babylon that would boast of a huge temple tower called a ziggurat. Babylon claimed its tower's foundations went deep into the underworld and the top of its towers reached the top of heaven. The Bible's portrayal of this Tower of Babel was not, there was nothing at all of the claims of its builders, and so it was with any other tower boasting in its greatness. See, these builders' vision began with, let us. See, they painted a preferred future and gathered people around it. It's a future I'm sure they had great intentions and sound logic in casting. They probably used arguments that, made, that God made them to build and why not build the best thing they could possibly build. We, after all, have been given this opportunity. We must take and make the most of it. I'm sure God will understand that this whole fill the earth thing is a bit outdated and, and needs correcting because after all, look at what we could accomplish as one people with one language and one tower. Well, God in the next verse gives his resounding response to man's vision. Verse six, and the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is the only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. Wow, this is an interesting response by God, right? I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like God's being petty here. What's so wrong with man accomplishing what he has determined in his heart to do? I mean, didn't God design us to do this? Well, I guess Genesis and God's response is yes and no. So what do I mean by that? Well, yes, God did create us to build, innovate, and have dominion and subdue creation. However, no, he did not mean for that to include outright denying him and setting up a kingdom to oppose his rule. The heart behind this tower is clear. It undercuts God's command to go and fill the earth. The vision that is cast by these people in these verses actually prevents God's people from accomplishing their mission. Here's the second trap we can fall into. We can fall into the trap of assuming Our vision is God's vision let's pause the video now and discuss this question together have you ever experienced accomplishing something for God just to look back and realize God had little to do with it here's the thing we all believe our intentions are good however God is ultimately the judge of whether or not something is good or evil Now, the idea that we make things right or wrong based on our logic and insight is the very folly that got us into this mess to begin with. So how do we avoid this and trust the gospel more? Well, first, we need to come in faith to God, asking Him to show us what He desires for us to accomplish. This takes abiding in Jesus as we pray for the Father's will to be done, specifically in our lives individually and as families. You know recently Danielle and I did one our marriage Mondays now copyright still being pursued so don't use that but we began to talk about the mission and vision and values of our family. Now I realize that we may just be a bit too cheesy for all of you out there. However, this process made us ask ourselves some questions on our vision for our family. At the forefront of our minds was what does God want us to do? What what kind of picture should our family be? See, we view our family as a vehicle to accomplish God's vision for our lives. We extend it to him to use. That's why we want to do foster care. Not because we just want to help our community, but because it makes a name for God. We have to invite God into our lives to be part of the planning process. Not just asking him to bless what our hands have made. We don't come to the end of building and say, God, look what I've done. See, remember the builders of the tower describe it as a stairway to heaven, not a stairway from heaven. But either way, it's wrong. God longs to be with his people, but they want. Well, sometimes we want to show them that we can do it on our own. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we trying to make a name for ourselves or for God? I think the biggest problem with our partnership with God is the lack of passion and purpose to participate with God on mission. We see the mission of God as something outside ourselves. It's something that God does, not so much what I do. See unbeknownst to ourselves, we fall into another trap of apathy. We are so lost, distracted and disinterested in partnering with God. Because our dreams, our life goals, our watch cues are so full, we don't have time for anything God wants us to do. This may be you saying, listen, I I work a full-time job with the spare time I do have. I just try to enjoy the limited money I've earned as I pursue more credentials or degrees or just beef up my resume to see those dreams and goals come true. I'm sure God understands that I'm just too busy to be of help to him. Well, this is not at all true. God can use you in incredible ways right where you are. However, we have to actively partner with him, inviting him into our life. The good news here is that you don't have to become a full-time missionary and even employ a full-time employee of the church to make a real difference in the mission of God. But you do have to make time and space for God to work. You have to reach out and help others find and experience new life in Jesus that may just be as simple as inviting others over to share a meal and conversation weekly even as we come together as a corporate body as a church we have to seek God's vision first it's really easy for a church claiming to be God's messengers to start building a kingdom for themselves a place that's comfortable for them only this could become a real danger for the grove We cast a vision and believe we're doing God's work just to wake up one morning and realize that we built a tower that God had to stoop down to even see. Something that we're actually proud of, but God sees it as insignificant. Our hope cannot be in what we are building together, even as a church. We have to have a larger mindset of the church, not just here in Bakersfield, but around the world. We have to partner with like-minded Christians to see the Great Commission come to fruition. Now, I'm not saying that a building is wrong or misguided, but it is when it's all about the building. That is the essence of what went wrong with these people. They made the mission the building. We need to partner with God to make a name for Him through the gospel. The gospel helps us to do this because it reminds us that we are lost, that we were in need, and more than likely, we're going to default to building our own kingdoms rather than God's yet we don't have to wallow in that today because the gospel gives us the ability to repent from the things that we're chasing what is God today calling you to change your mind about is there something you've been pursuing that he wants you to set aside then guess what through faith in Jesus trusting in his ability to free you from that guilt or sin pursue that change in keeping with the change of your mind Just take a moment today and consider what Jesus has done for you and how he might use you, yes, even you, in his mission. Allow the gospel to become your story, Integrate it. Invite God into your story that you may make a name for him as you partner with him in his mission. Well, thank you for tuning in today, and we look forward to you joining us next week as we continue in our series, Genesis, in the beginning.